This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Conversations with the Voice of Reason. I'm your host, Benjamin Boyce, and today's conversant is Dr. Roller Gator, who is an erstwhile Twitter personality till they suspended him for a ironic tweet that they decided wasn't ironic, and also a author of Substack articles that focus on statistical breakdowns of various cultural and medical phenomena. In this conversation, we talk about his MO and his processes, and we also talk about the asymmetry of what rules are enforced toward which group's ends. Fascinating guy. Glad to have him. First time he's ever been on a podcast. So here is his debut. Without further ado, here is Dr. Roller Gator. So I just got a kitten and he just turned eight weeks today. So he's meowing a lot. Um, okay. I'm wondering if I should let him in the room and let him meow on film. That's up to you. Or That's up keep to you. him. Hmm. Would it be... I would probably be annoying. That's it okay. might be charming. Hold on. Okay. I think okay. I have a game. I think I have a game plan. All right. Shall we rip? That's good. Caps. Caps. All of them. That's, All the time. I am a, yeah, I, I am a capitalist uh, through oh. and through. Okay. Is this yes. like a fetish or an economic plan of yours or an uh, Well, uh, you know, I, I actually believe that the, the, the more straightforward you are and to the point, the better. You know, I don't believe in, in uh, just meandering around alternating caps here and there. I just I go straight for it. It's, it's right there. No, no alternates needed. You don't have to make any decisions. You know, is this a noun that I'm going to capitalize? Is this a noun I'm not going to capitalize? None, none. No, but um, you don't go so far as to just uh, do away with a U and replace, uh, you know, go full Roman capitalization, just have a V. Uh, No, I I, I don't. I don't like the letter V because the W is two V's back to back, but it's a W and I know that the the switch is there, but it, that hurts my brain. That hurts my brain. Make it, make it two U's or, or don't call it a W. (laughs) It's, if the times change, you got to change with the times. That's my, you know, general general philosophy did this start in the analog world did you just uh you were tired of cursive and you just started printing and then you just started like writing <laughs> on a uh, no the actual the actual um the actual idea is i just i just sort of play with whatever internal logic develops as time goes on i don't necessarily attempt to force anything i i i play with whatever types of uh, uh situations present themselves i don't try to control them too much and so in that um the avatar that I, I have for Dr. Roller Gator has its mouth wide open and pointing inward towards the tweet. So it just in general always looks like the, the, the avatar is shouting to begin with. So when, when I make that juxtaposition flow, it, everything flows out from there well. Yeah. So I, I do that and I keep up with it. Yeah, but um, uh, have you done many interviews, uh, podcast-style stuff? No, you're the first one that I've done. So Okay, but yeah, so you're choosing not to yell. <laughs> You're not taking the logic that far. 
Well, no, I, I, I think that uh, there's a time and place for everything, and that time okay. and place is, is Twitter. I don't, I don't do all caps on, on my Substack or anything because there's a different purpose for that. So. Yes, yeah. And so uh, I want to talk about your Substack, and uh, we should probably do a little cursory uh, overview of your Twitter life um, okay. and uh, where that is right now because you haven't been around for a while, but you were making uh, quite a splash about, before then. About eight months, yeah, I've been in uh, Twitter jail. Yeah, for suggesting to Jordan Peterson that he challenge uh, Justin Trudeau to a duel. Uh, it's the, Wait, like that, a slap fight with gloves, or was it yes, actually yes, with yes. with uh, muskets? Do, do the no, no. Do the do the uh, challenge. Not even actually have the duel. Um, just challenge him to a duel. So take off a leather glove and slap him across the cheek is technically what the tweet suggests, and that was considered too violent. Um, yeah. For, for Twitter, that was me huh. encouraging violence. Yeah, and that's that's a no no. Um, yeah. But uh, instead of instead of answering my appeal, they have kept me in the appeal limbo for about eight months. Okay, and um, so but they did give you the option to delete the tweet. Yes, yes, and I am not going to delete a tweet that does not violate the rules because there's no violence that I'm suggesting. And uh, as far as uh, quote fairness goes they have they have the um, gifts that you can add that basically they are authorizing you to add at any point in time and there's plenty of the exact same concept in those in those gifts so at anyone anyone at any time can add a gift that does what i had said yeah. and yeah. It's, it's so it's it's i'm not going to delete a tweet that doesn't violate the rules i'm not going to admit that i violated rules i didn't violate yeah it's it is interesting the um disproportionate or unbalanced uh, way that Twitter decides or how they decide who to ban and who not to ban. And because I'm in my own circles, I see people kind of in my terrain, I don't want to say side, but people that I'm familiar with that I'm connected to kind of have a certain position in the cultural sphere. And so I only witness them getting punished. I don't necessarily witness other groups getting punished because of the echo chamber effect. Yeah, but, there, there are occasions where you will see you will see uh, someone who has uh, crossed the line and gotten themselves banned on quote the other side. So it does it does happen. However, the the instances that any pretense that there are actual rules that people are checking for violations of, as opposed to looking for opportunities to ban someone, as if the rules are just a pretense in general and it's all arbitrary. Um, that it the the rules don't seem to be adhered to no matter no matter what side you're on but it seems like the it seems like the people who are able to trigger getting uh, you know having violated the rules without a particular violation happens more on one side but that could be simply your your frequency of interaction and noticing who's getting yeah you know because there there were a couple podcasts a year or so back on the left side that were getting their accounts their podcast accounts banned now that you can't I can't say what those were that they violated on Twitter, what rules they have there. But we've also seen situations where some of the tech companies are sort of coordinating their bannings at the same time, yeah. you know, for certain people. And so you don't I don't know how many of them are fitting that pattern too. 
where they're getting banned across different platforms at the same time, regardless of what side of the aisle they're on. It's just the specific message they're sending is something that's unpleasant for people. Well, certainly nobody with the footprint of, say, Alex Jones or a smaller footprint such as Carl Benjamin, a.k.a. Sargon of Akkad. Like when, when the big thing happens, it's mm-hmm. usually in, I, I don't, don't want to say right, but critical of the powers that be, uh, consistently critical of the powers that be. Yeah, the, the one of the left-wing uh, podcasts that I'm aware of, I don't remember the name of it, but because uh, it was about two years ago, but um, one of them was a moderately popular, uh, you know, left-wing um, podcast that, that got kicked off of Twitter for for unknown reasons by me at least um and so i think they were they were against certain war efforts in particular Mm. i think that was one of their primary focuses i could be wrong on that but i think that's one of their focuses and so there are particular particular narratives that if you go across it's going to people are going to at least at least look to try to find violations for you more often than than not you know whether or not i mean even in hypothetically an ideal world where people were you know there was a terms of service and they were held somewhat equally across the board um people who are noticing you and have motivation to try to take you off can just keep flagging until you're gone so it could be even you know innocent from the platform side but still uh system-wide uh unbalanced yeah Uh, the the network has incentive structures uh for action and punishment Mm -hmm. or uh depersoning deplatforming is an action so there has to be some sort of motivation behind it because it does take a certain amount of work and there's so many there's so much content or accounts to go through so yeah and i i would i would premise that it's more likely the side that that uh doesn't think that uh people should have a right to to be able to speak uh views that are uh, unpleasant um i mean there's one side the one side that at least claims you know whether or not they're hypocritical they at least claim to value those things and i would say that the side that at least claims to value those things is probably somewhat less likely to engage in the coordinated uh flagging Mm -hmm. systematic flagging to get people removed it would be the side that doesn't care just as it's a private company they can do what they want they're more likely to try to abuse those levers too yeah yeah you, yeah, you said certain people on this unpleasant speech, but the way that uh, the rhetoric's gone is that it's not about unpleasant speech. It's about harmful speech. It's about uh, that's that is uh, some of the rhetoric that gets gets thrown around. And the, the levels of harm don't need to be actually stated. No one has to you know, form a chain of of events that, you know, by necessity lead to any sort of things that would be actual harm uh, as an example you know the, the stupid kanye kanye west controversies recently um uh, just in the last two weeks kanye yeah. was holding some uh, event and he wore this uh, white lives matter t-shirt and there was uh some i believe it was a professor of some kind uh being uh interviewed by or at least quoted by uh, MTV, I believe, who, who was doing like a little news coverage piece on it because they don't play music videos anymore. They do. <laughs> they're just sort of like a trendy uh, television channel now. They just uh, do current events and things. Yeah. And someone was going over the controversy, and they they quoted this this woman as saying that the T-shirt itself was violence. And so there's there's no concept anymore of what exactly violence constitutes um, things that hypothetically could be several degrees removed from a violent event are themselves now equated with violence yeah. because hypothetically something could be violent later and later in time. So the, the rhetoric itself is disconnected from from material manifestations. 
You bring this up in, I believe it's your most recent substack about stochastic terrorism. You make a great yes. point about stochastic terrorism. I should let you define that term, but from what I recall, it is a way of analyzing, or it comes from insurance companies trying to figure out or calculate the frequency of terrorism in order to cover them. So, yeah, the, the term stochastic terrorism has been thrown about a lot lately. Um, a, a month or so ago um on tw on twitter it started but then it sort of bubbled up into the regular mainstream news um it was boston children's hospital um was they had videos online that people were copying and 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 spreading where they were uh they were at least insinuating that they are open to performing uh gender affirming mastectomies uh on on underage underage children, um, possibly other gender affirming care is the term that they they use for it, where where they are uh, to in some people's opinion, uh, experimenting medically on those who are underage because the the child uh, you know claims to have gender or may have gender dysphoria to some degree, uh, whether it is is uh, critical, gender dysphoria where the person is absolutely mentally in shambles and there's no other possible route for them to take in life except for this sort of transition um or it's just someone who you know possibly um doesn't necessarily have a firm grasp on who they are or who they want to be and these influences sort of give them a maybe consideration that maybe they want to try something out and they don't necessarily think about the long-term consequences so it leads them on a path towards towards investigating this and people along the way affirming them towards and uh, towards a destination but these videos were copied and shared relatively widely with with uh, doctors and other medical affiliated employees uh, promoting this type of care. And again, the, we would be talking about people who would be under the age of eighteen, so mm -hmm. people who not you know cannot yet actually take out major loans on their own or or buy alcohol or things like that. They would be signing up for these sorts of procedures, and. Uh, several several large accounts um, with with uh, gravitas in the media, you know, media contacts where they can they can talk to reporters who will sort of just repeat whatever they say. Um, we're calling this stochastic terrorism, and what the stochastic terrorism is, uh, it's a concept that suggests that the intent and um, plan of the people who are sharing these videos, the people who are uh, raising their concerns, the intent of them is to broadcast enough, uh, ups, uh, enough vitriol over what's going on to hopefully entice someone in an audience, someone within listening distance, to focus on that target and possibly take action and uh, commit a violent act against the target. The the term stochastic terrorism is fairly new. Uh, it's it's about a, a little bit over a decade old, and it didn't start in the insurance industry. But what what the the connection was between the insurance history was that before before the term stochastic terrorism actually became sort of written um, and outlined for anyone to. To think about before that the only things that were ever discussed using the words stochastic and terrorism uh was an uh was a paper by uh someone in the insurance industry talking about actuarial 
uh, mathematics to sort of take the it was in the aftermath of 9 11 mm -hmm. where these these terroristic events were assumed to be uh now something we had to think about every day because if you remember in the aftermath of of 9 11 this this wasn't considered a one-time terrorist attack we had a terror alert chart that you know had colors from perfectly safe which we never got to to heightened alert code red which we were always on and the the idea was that these were going to occur with somewhat relative frequency we couldn't necessarily tell when or where but we could predict them with certain frequency so the article that this this person published in a in a journal was about how to go about calculating this for insurance purposes because up until then purchasing insurance for something like terrorism um, was simply uh, controlled the prices were controlled by the market and there was no calculations to say whether or not the insurance uh, hmm. companies could sustain those costs so it was a way of calculating how much you should charge if you're going to insure against something yeah. So that was the first occurrence of it, and this was after 9-11. And so the, the term then was taken um, from that concept that you could sort of make predictions for insurance purposes and morphed into um, a claim of a strategic uh, position, a strategic uh, ploy that people would uh, enlist in order to engage in terrorism without being able to be guilty of, of said crimes. Yeah. Yeah. And it started in uh, 2011 after Gabby Giffords, a, a congresswoman from Arizona, was shot uh, by, by someone who, for all intents and purposes, is a paranoid schizophrenic. You know, he was a, a man disconnected from reality. But they, uh, they initially blamed uh, former vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin for this, this shooting because Sarah Palin was obviously politically active and using a, a political action committee to communicate to followers of this committee and try to encourage their followers to vote people out of office. And in so doing, they used a map of the United States and placed uh, targets over districts that they were focused on. The use of targets became then a, a supposed suggestion that these are people that need to be taken out. This suggestion then became where a person very, very cleverly, you know, made this packaged term, stochastic terrorism, where this, you know, these visuals of a map and a target would, they, is, according to the, the theory, be Sarah Palin hoping to entice someone to, to not just take it as a metaphor and to actually go about yeah. doing it. Yeah. And that's what they are, have been accusing uh, lately, people who have been, sh you know, sharing these Boston, Boston Children's Hospitals and other hospitals who are are promoting these sorts of, these sorts of policies of gender affirming care and, and things like that. They are accusing them of wanting uh, the the doctors and wanting the hospitals to be attacked. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so uh, yeah, so 
if a gender clinic gets bombed, you know that the media will be all over it, that will claim the news cycle for an indefinite period. But we know that abortion uh, or family care clinics, right, uh, which are providing alternatives to abortion, are getting uh, attacked. But that's not covered at all, even though we have Elizabeth Warren saying that they're basically the enemy or saying that they're anti-abortion. Um, things, right. right. Um, yeah. So the, the the family planning clinics, which are they're the uh, pro-life version of Planned Parenthood, so to speak, uh, they will offer some services and consulting to to uh, younger pregnant mothers who are maybe searching for help and don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they're mm-hmm. unwed and they, they're on their own or they, they're scared about uh, their family's reaction, things like that. And these are centers that they can go to. And now, I, I cannot vouch for um, what types of care they get there. I don't know much about exactly what services are offered. I know that some of them um, uh, will show sonograms. And the, one of the complaints is that it's sort of manipulative to show the sonogram of, of the, the pregnant child's or the pregnant mother's child in the, in the womb, because there's, I I guess, some studies that show that the the probability is higher that the mother will choose to keep the child. And so uh, in some people's minds, this is coercion. This is, this is manipulation. And and that if the person has made the decision, they would like to abort, they should be allowed to abort. So these, these centers that, that offer that type of service are seen as, as doing uh, fairly uh, evil and manipulative things to, Hmm. for whatever their agenda is. Yeah. And these centers, uh, in in recent time, have been um, uh, victims of arson and other types of, of vandalism, and it's not that they won't cover. It's not that they won't cover the events in the news. You'll get the local news talking about it. They won't they won't accumulate and bubble up un, into the major presses until the number is large enough that they decide that they're going to run with the angle that the right wing is overblowing the phenomenon. So it's the same thing that we would have seen during the the twenty twenty summer riots where you know cities were burning down and the general message on cnn was that this is just the right wing overblowing things yeah there's a problem it yes uh, eight square blocks of of uh, seattle were taken over by a bunch of lunatics and there was nightly gunfire and and uh, you know at least one or uh, two murders in in the, the of young the black men yeah uh, yeah in the chop and uh the, the it was just downplayed so they will cover it if they're forced to because the numbers are so high but the the twist on that so in the article i lay out that the the term stochastic terrorism is really just uh, another rhetorical tactic it's another it's another language game that is meant to uh, position position things in people's minds in a way that sort of massages them to come to uh, particular conclusions. And it's a multi-step sort of strategy. The first thing that you do is control uh, the accusations of who is a stochastic terrorist, a terrorist. You have to put yourself in a position of authority, claim yourself to be knowledgeable in this this, uh, uh, phenomenon. Uh, You've studied it well for years, and you then get to call out the stochastic terrorists and that can be anyone because yeah. the person the, uh, by the central premise the person who is the stochastic terrorist is not in any way connected to the person who is performing the action other than the person performing the action heard them which is a obviously a legal defense so the the premise is that the stochastic terrorist is always engaged in in uh, plausible deniability they are always establishing themselves as being plausibly deniable for having this intent 
Yeah. There's, there's, they're always decrying violence. They're always saying it, but then it's accused that the, the saying, I don't want violence is a wink, wink. I don't want violence. Wink, wink. Yeah. So the, the, after you accuse people of being stochastic terrorists, any act of violence that occurs in that same direction automatically becomes them to blame. And then you simply have to ignore all of the opposite side examples you just don't talk about them so then what happens in in people's minds is they see all the time someone being called a stochastic terrorist a lot of times something happens whether or not they're connected or whether or not it's an increase in certain types of crime or not it's the, there's a connection they will always tell you oh this event happened and we're connecting it back to this person that we previously accused as being a stochastic terrorist other other certain events they're just random and sporadic so going to your what you brought up about these family planning clinics the articles that get written are these people are not a a specific organized group you saw the same thing with antifa joe biden on presidential debate stage says you know it's just an idea so these are loosely affiliated somewhat yeah. openly not coordinating together but talking all out loud therefore coordinating together without knowing each other these are these are disparate groups that aren't essentially organized therefore this is something that the right wing is is overblowing the saying that this is an issue is overblowing it because there's no there's no main person dictating this thing there's no you know central mastermind organizing things no one's dispatching these instructions to all these groups they're, they're taking it on their own yeah which if you think about it for a moment was exactly the accusation of stochastic terrorism it's just people saying things and, and enticing people to take action on their own yeah. so if you 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 have to control that that playing field where you're accusing people of stochastic terrorism, making sure that eventually if something happens, that that you chain it right back to that person. And as long as you dominate that space, you can convince people that that the, uh, the side they're on, which might be the side of Antifa or might be the side of, of uh, Planned Parenthood and and, uh, you know, uh, abortion rights for all, they they are then much more willing to not see that that the the actual interactions that are occurring are identical on both sides it's just one of them is called stochastic terrorism and the other is not it's just it's it, whatever's happening pure stochasticism yeah 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 people are overblowing it it is very insulting um to one's uh, to me i feel insulted by this game because I see the hypocrisy. I see that you know, Joe Biden gets to say Antifa is just an idea and uh, President Trump, or uh, then President Trump, is uh, responsible for everything that the Proud Boys do, right? And responsible right. for saying there's good people on both sides or whatever. Um, it's just, it's insulting. So it makes me wonder, like, what do I do? Like, I, I fight against the hypocrisy. I fight against the hypocrites. I have to, like, therefore side more and more on the right wing, right? It kind of pushes me in the right direction. Well, which which then well, puts me out of the discourse because now I'm a right winger, right? Well, yes, uh, everyone who everyone's a right winger who doesn't uh, who doesn't tow the the current trend to whatever it is. It, it doesn't matter what the subject is. You'll always be pushed out and said you're the right wing. But you, we actually, you know, you said you're you kind of get annoyed at that sort of hypocrisy. But there, we actually have a great uh, great uh, example of that in what you just mentioned. Back to back, we've had two presidents who absolutely cannot speak for the life of them they cannot form coherent sentences that don't require uh, you know an infinite amount of reconstruction in order to get the coherency 
out of it. And back to back, you have that. And so what do they do? They, they, they try to pressure uh, Trump on the Proud Boys and whatever they were doing. And he probably has absolutely no idea what they were all involved in. So they bring that up to him. And he says, I want them to stand back and stand by. Okay. Now, we have a guy who has never made sense in almost anything he's ever said. He speaks, he adds 472 commas into any given sentence that he's uttering. <laughs> and to, to parse it out takes an hour. You, you have him, and you think stand back and stand by is him communicating to the Proud Boys as if they are his super soldiers just sitting on the, on the, on the sidelines. And then you have Joe Biden. You have another man who cannot communicate for the life of him saying, oh, don't worry, we'll take out the Nord Stream 2, the, the, the pipeline. If we want it out, we'll take it out. Then it blows up and it's, oh, he didn't mean that. He's, you know, you can't use that as inference that he did that. Yeah. Two people are treated completely identically, even though they are oppositely, even though they have identical uh, sort of speech patterns where you, you don't know what the heck they're saying while they're saying it. You have to reconstruct it and come up with a plausible uh, inference to yourself as to what they truly meant by whatever it is that came out of their mouth. Mm -hmm. And in that circumstance, you imagine that, that Trump has a direct connection to the Proud Boys and he's, he's telling them that. And if they, you don't find a direct connection, he's just doing it throughout, through open channel communications. They're all, they're all whistles, dog whistles. And everything that he says is just this Manchurian candidate communication mm -hmm. over the airwaves telling mm -hmm. them them, you know, signaling to them what he wants them to do through Dog secret codes. Dog whistles abound, yeah. yeah. Exactly. But, but Joe Biden, nothing he says could ever be interpreted as that. You can't interpret, you're not allowed to interpret it that way. Even though the, the dynamics there are fairly identical, both presidents just speak aimlessly and mindlessly. And so with Joe Biden, it's always, oh, he misspoke no matter what he says, <laughs> no matter what he says. Yeah. So that's, that's another, that's a, the same version of it repeating itself. It's just, you have to definitely play unfair when it comes to calling out the behaviors that you're talking about. Okay. But that unfairness, again, it's a spit in the face of, uh, it's just a spit in the face. If, if we're going to, I, so I guess I'm trying to position to see how you begin to analyze the deeper forces of why the ruling party gets to act this way and flout that they act this way. Uh, what was it a, a month or two after Biden gets in office, uh, a Time article comes out saying that this was a plot, basically. Yeah, the, the reinforced, get, the reinforced yeah. um, uh, and, election. And they basically yeah. said that the that they could turn off and on protests and, yes. and limit yes. violence. They right. basically yeah. admitted that everything that they were doing in 2020 with a cabal of 900 people on a Zoom call um, mm -hmm. was all planned to it was a coup, right? They basically... Well, yeah, so the, the, the wiggle room that you get there is that a majority of the country felt that we were moments away from imminent demise with Trump every single day of a four-year period. Yeah. So in their, in their minds, they can excuse, they can excuse that. Even, even people that you would normally um, consider um, reasonable in their ability to kind of call bullshit when they see it, a lot of them, when it comes to the just the phenomenon of a, a Trump presidency, which was just the weirdest four periods of my life, that that was just a very weird four years. Mm -hmm. um, they are e easily able to take a sentence that basically tells them, yes, everyone who was claiming that we've been coordinating was right about coordination, whether or not they got all the details of exactly what was being coordinated, the essence of the fact that we were all coordinating and conspiring to to do these things all of that can be 
um, ignored, provided that they can make themselves believe that that no physical crimes were committed, hmm. and that it was only these protests were controlled for a very brief period of time of a couple weeks before the election, or or just January sixth, or just because the the article was 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 speaking about the controlling of the uh, Antifa protests as turning them off for January 6th, so that if something bad went down, it would only be one side that people could focus on. Mm-hmm. Now, now, on one level, you can see the level of media sophistication that it takes to come up with a plan like that. You understand the media dynamics. You understand that, that if people see both sides, it'll decrease your message. You have the ability to tell people to not do something. They'll listen to you. And and then you can pull that off, and then you can now, even to this day, be having January sixth hearings because this is a this is a something they were quote given, you know, a gift from God that they need to oppor- you know make an opportunity out of to milk it for everything it's worth, hoping that that event can be can be used to persuade people towards whatever particular you know subject du jour of the day you know is is mm-hmm. they want to get affiliation over. Ultimately, in the short term, it's always elections. It's always we need, you know, vote blue. The current mantra is that the Republicans, if you vote Republican, it's the end of democracy as we know it. So you have to vote for one party to save democracy. Um, At least we can still vote for Republicans. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. Um, so the the idea that there could be people who, um, you know, coordinated together, they're just they just have common interests. There's nothing wrong with people of common interests discussing things together you could you saw that as as uh, sam harris was giving his trigonometry interview you saw him in real time go down that logic chain of of convincing himself there was nothing wrong as he started from yes there was a conspiracy mm-hmm. <laughs> like there was a, now he was talking about a different one that was the the hunter biden laptop uh, phenomenon but in general he had that train of logic that people will allow themselves to go down in order to convince themselves that there's nothing corrupt or weird going on or and if there is it's for an existential threat in that same uh, trigonometry interview he i think repeatedly but at least once brought up that if there's a a meteor hurling towards the earth he really Mm -hmm. does think that donald uh, donald trump was uh, basically an existential threat to our way of life now whether or not that's true or not is one question but the fact that his uh, principles uh, are relaxed or not evenly applied makes him some somewhat less of a of a liberal. Yeah, well, Sam Sam's main philosophy is that if he can convince himself of his own bullshit, he's you know he's he's morally correct. You know, he he fancies himself this uh, this creative mind when it comes to morality and navigating the moral landscape, but he's he's not. He's not. It, it's he really. It's just him trying to find words to convince himself. Mm-hmm. In that trigonometry interview, in his cleanup mode, he he said he only misspoke once, and the, that one tiny misspeak derailed everything. And that's that's just oh, okay. not the case. Yeah. You know, many many things he said in that interview were just complete, completely off the rails. You know. Yeah. So way. when you mount a uh, criticism or an attack on this behavior, what are you actually criticizing? What what are we criticizing? Are we criticizing the tactics because you do go through and in, in, in your writing and your thought. You, well, okay, your Twitter has a, a very specific rhetorical uh, line right. that you're doing, and uh, mm-hmm. but your your essays are uh, deconstructing a lot of these tactics. But anybody could be using these tactics. It tends to be, yes. from my point yes. of view, 
the powers that be that are using these tactics? And can we ever criticize that? Or do are you concerned at all about that? Uh, can you rephrase that? I don't know what the specific question. So the powers that be, can we criticize the powers that be? I don't know what the... Okay. Well, so there. for some reason, Trump was a uh, existential threat. And from what I got from the Sam Harris interview was that Sam Harris believes in the process. He believes in the institutions. He believes in um, keeping these processes working in the government, because if these processes break down, then the entire society breaks down. And Donald Trump, even though I don't think he, I don't think he changed the behavior of anything within the deep state or the the civil service, the civil service kept on chugging along despite him. Um, he was still, Donald is still an existential threat to this entire system, this entire network. Joe Biden and everybody that was for Joe Biden, it seems like Joe Biden was put there by the institution so that the institution can run safe from whatever amount of threat Trump uh, had to the okay. system. Uh, yeah, well, so... So is there the, a system? Is Do I sound conspiratorial by talking about the institutions and... and uh, well, no, there's, there's a degree to it, okay? So inside of, of people's uh, uh, outcomes, they're, they're the thing, their desires, their desired outcomes, in the sense that those can uh, come into alignment or go out of alignment over time, you're going to find people who in, you know, increasingly coordinate and come up with, with a particular strategy that they all feel that they can trust each other to maintain because in that circumstance, their incentives are aligned. Um, when it comes to the government, there's, there's people who are there for, you know, life, lifetime careers, yeah. you know, so, so when you are already in existence in, in a system, you know, that system much better than someone who's coming in new. So you can, you can filter out people who aren't necessarily going to be cooperative later on, people who you might not be able to persuade to go along with you uh, on what you want, because people who are there earlier, they don't like it often when new people come in and start to to try to change things, Disrupt, particularly yeah. when everyone's, you know, and that happens all over the place. It happens in every company. Happens, so it's like, that's a human phenomenon. Mm -hmm. But when it's in the, in the government, you know, you have people who have been there for life, you know, they're, they're getting appointments from, from people that they're cozying up to politically. You know, they have, they have things that they would uh, like that are, you know, selfish, let's say, it's selfishly mm -hmm. motivated as opposed to, and I, I, I say, as opposed to, um, uh, more grandiose, so so different than ideology, different than um, mm. trying to control the whole system. A lot of their decisions are self-serving in nature. They're not necessarily all uh, for a particular political end. But okay. when those winds start to shift, they may shift with those winds just to make sure that they are still still involved. Yeah. So, and all that's to say that there's always going to be. A, a source of instability in whatever um, current plans or current uh, forces are enacting towards a certain direction, and so that's my that's sort of my answer to whether or not you know you're being conspiratorial. It's if you if you imagine that there's not uh, internal pressures acting against certain currents all the time, no matter what the current is. Yes, that's probably too conspiratorial for my tastes. Hmm. If you're just assuming that people are talking and coordinating all the time, that's always happening. And there's always going to be times where people are not revealing what they're coordinating with each other with. And there's always going to be times where um, uh, people are going to take a, a little bit more of a risk, maybe ethically, morally, or legally, to achieve certain outcomes because the payoffs are so high. 
mm-hmm. you know, the payoffs are, are just going to be really high for them. Yeah. So, and, and then there will be a people who are also motivated, not just with self-serving um, uh, power uh, plays, but also ideological ones where, you know, they, they've already sort of coalesced with like-minded people. So the, the, uh, the, direction of the ideological shift is sort of a natural uh, evolution of that coalescing. So, I mean, yes, it, it, I am not one of the types who think that there is anyone in the world who knows enough to strategically coordinate an entire uh, mass of events in the, in the uh, theatrical conspiracy type way. Mm-hmm. But there are always people scheming, always people, uh, you know, playing games there's always always coordination that that's going on all the time but there is a hobbesian nature to it where it's at some point chaos and people will backstab each other if the if the situations get tight and the whole thing can come crumbling down i i i tend to agree with you my assumptions align with what you just said but then you have something like the world economic forum doing the theatrical thing and Mm -hmm. it makes me wonder is that not just kind of a psyop that they're pretending to rule the world or are they actually convinced that they can rule the world right well so if you imagine the the world economic forum at its at, at what you might think its uh, ideal state would be from a conspiratory uh, a conspiratorial angle, there wouldn't be many circumstances where you would see them influencing uh, or or pushing their control, pushing their power. You that would be that would be just how the system would work if they had that that particular amount of power. The system would be flowing in the way that they would already want. So there wouldn't. They wouldn't be trying to stop particular um, things on the internet from from getting out. That just like China would not be able to get out. I mean, you okay. have to go to really really low underground lengths in order to share different information or or allow things to spread. So you wouldn't actually see it manifest if they had the the ubiquitous control that you in the ideal state you would you would imagine in a in a you know movie conspiracy. But when it comes to desires. This is, you know, it's an amalgam of people who have either power, wealth, or both. They have the ability to make decisions and just simply by the amount of things that they are able to influence can influence large swaths of the population. And, and one, of the, one of the examples I think that is, would be great to get to the bottom of is who keeps funding these articles trying to uh, hype up eating bugs. The, the eating bug industry is only like $2 billion globally. There is not enough money to to uh, from that industry to afford to pay all of these these uh, places to advertise for them. This advertisement is coming for free somehow, and it could be that uh, you know, a large number of people are just genuinely so enthusiastic about it they're willing to do it pro bono. But I don't think so. I think that there's there's something going on where someone with money and wants a particular end is just funding that sort of advertising. You know, you can easily convince uh, you know. Uh, particular media outlets to run a story give it give them enough money to cover the cost of running the story and you can get mm-hmm. that story run probably mm-hmm. there's not a lot of major ethical hoops you have to go through for for buzzfeed to run a you know a, an expose on how great bugs taste yeah or even okay. nicole kidman i guess she comes with a no, bigger, yes. uh, 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 <laughs> bill than uh, yeah. buzzfeed but and so when you when you look at the wef you Yes, you have policy proposals. Yes, you have plans clearly outlined. But those are people's ideas, and those are things that that 
to some degree that forum has con- you know agreed upon to try to encourage that doesn't mean that they can actually pull it off right these are all goals that they have if you say that you want to try to influence and persuade people you can outline all of the mechanics and a lot of them could be very accurately psychologically based in what you're going to do you know do try, uh, tried and true you know uh, manipulation of the populace yeah. and you can put that into action but you can't guarantee that outcome necessarily so sure wef would have all these plans and they're they're good to be paying attention to and and not necessarily always immediately uh, good to get an alarm over but it's great to be aware of the types of manipulations that are going on or what yeah. what uh, you know the other hand is doing when you're when you're focused on the wrong one you know this this one's moving so what's the one that's not moving doing um is, but they don't have unlimited power to actually see it into fruition. So whatever strategies they come up with, these are just, these are the tools that they have at their disposal to try to bring about whatever they want to happen. Now, what the ultimate ends to those plans are, you know, I don't even know if I can speculate on what ultimate ends are because ultimate ends, the way that you have to maintain power is to be able to be somewhat nimble. You can't be focused on one end state. You know, the, the, in uh, hmm. the people, the governments of the world are going to change over time. You want to still maintain control uh, and influence no matter who's in charge. So if you get fixated on having one person in charge and you can't work with the other guy who's in charge, mm-hmm. if they somehow if they, if they somehow win, then your idea is not going to pan out. The, the level of hmm. manipulation that you have to engage in, the amount of cost to maintain a system to your full control is probably just above what any individual can do. And so when you include more than more than one person who's vying for control, even if they're currently temporarily aligned, you still have hmm. somewhat of an unstable system long term. Yeah. Okay. So, but with ideas, and I'm not advocating this idea, but just the idea of globalism, of, hmm. I guess you can say neoliberalism, um, universalism, depending on how you want to break it apart. There's a confluence of interests where we see countries like Hungary and Italy um, being soundly castigated as fascist because they're not going because they want to maintain their sovereignty mm-hmm. like you have right. countries that want to maintain their sovereignty and mm-hmm. they're unfortunately not in the third world so they're they're in the first world or they're in the west and so we have to worry about them because they're not going to take marching orders according mm-hmm. to whatever that global hegemonic um not individual force but i guess the the direction that I guess from some people's point of view, that all comes from uh, the State Department, the U.S. State Department's basically pushing everything in a a certain direction. So you do have um, what looks like a global hegemonic force coalescing. But what you're saying is that you're always going to have individual actors that are going to stochastic size the system, (laughs) always kind of disrupt. Well, yeah, it's it's not it's not it's not. you're not free from conflicting internal pressures okay. is basically the end point. And so um, even, even if, uh, even if in the short term, the, the, everyone is in agreement, let's just say the most wealthy people, the most, the people with the most power, you know, you take all of the oligarchs in, in Russia, you take Putin, you take all of the, the people in the WEF, you take Bill Gates, let's just throw all of the, all the people who are super rich, uh, you know, and Elon Musk is off of there just trolling them on Twitter, you know, off to the side, but everyone else other than like Elon trolling them on Twitter, you take them all and you have them temporarily aligned. Okay. They're all going to have 
internal motivations for themselves, even if they're currently aligned. So if they are all getting together as sort of like a cartel and they say, okay, we're going to go and force this plan and then we're going to divvy up the, the gains after we do that. We're going to try to do that. To, to make that stable is very, very difficult because each person who is going to be given a slice has the possibility of saying, I don't like the size of my slice. They might feel that they have done more work or taking bearing more of a cost. They are going to think this this deal is not particularly fair for me. Or maybe for the short period, they'll all be aligned on a particular goal, but then the next goal has it has more fragility because the the, the end state isn't favorable for one of them mm-hmm. uh, enough. Or mm-hmm. you know, so the 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 perpetual ability of these people to stay coordinated on particular plans is not certain. Okay. So. But you could still have theoretically a um, somebody like whoever runs BlackRock, that yeah. investment firm, and right. he from the top down can implement um, ESG, I guess, uh, environmental uh-huh. social governance in order to only let people in the door who are going in right. a certain direction. Right. Yeah. And so, so those, those theoretically institutional- he could strangle the economy or direct the economy however he wants, yeah. especially if we get to uh, completely digital currency, you get the social credit score, you basically are uh, onlining a worldwide Western China. Yeah. So in that in that case, y- yes. But what you have there is is an offloading. So so one of the one of the things that you saw manifest in the last couple of years was the ability for the federal government to basically say that, you know, whatever they're currently involved in, they have the ability to control. So if they give someone if they give someone a, a subsidy, they are now able to issue terms on that that institution. OK, and, and so this is this is something that is supported by a legal framework, this this legal institution and the legal institution is somewhat headless. Okay. Hmm. Once once you have that 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 set of policies and that set of rules um, instilled, there are individual actors at any given time trying to circumvent them for their own purposes yeah. or or extract more than is actually written that you know is al- allowed by those. But there is there is no one in control now of actively changing those levers constantly. So in, in that scenario where just the you know the head of BlackRock. If he gets one of those institutional changes, he made his move and that move is then concluded. And then hmm. there will certainly will be effects downstream of the move that he made, the policy institutions that he changed. But because there's so many people now involved in interpreting and, and dealing with the them as they're written in stone and coming up with, with uh, their own incentive structures to either, again, downplay what's written to make it more permissible or, you know, heighten it to make things less permissible, trying to circumvent wiggle words around things, mm-hmm. um, you know, bog things down in, in courts and things like that. He's now out of the control of that. He cannot manipulate that on the individual level. So, so there's a, there is a separation there. So, so these plays, you know, are sort of like chess pieces on a board. The, you yeah. can make the moves, and you can have power to make more moves, and you certainly can spend a lot of energy to make large plays and you know things like that. But at, when when they're in when they're actually in motion, there's a lot of inertia that you just can't stop uh, willy nilly. Yeah. So in a case like China, at, um, and I'm not a historian of China, so I'm kind of embarrassed to bring it up, but you see at this point in time, there is a totalitarian uh, regime, mm-hmm. and nominally uh, the 
direction of one person at the top of that. Uh, incredibly controlled. One imagines that with population problems and global financial markets shifting, that it could come tumbling down at any moment. But for a period of time, they did have total control. It could happen in the United States, where we have um, the Joe Biden regime and and whoever's facilitating their actions. Eventually, the uh, the rubber's going to meet the road. The economy's going to crash. The decisions that they made with regards to energy is going to come up, and then there's going to be a popular uprising. I mean, do you see that happening? Do you ever see like a uh, the how would America correct itself as opposed to how would China correct itself? And so far as we still have a little bit more wiggle room, at least nominally with mm-hmm. uh, civil rights. No, we, we still have a, a quite a bit of wiggle room. I'm okay. I'm much more. Um, optimistic on how much wiggle room we have i'm i'm decently pessimistic on on some of the economic uh trends at the moment so i i don't know what's going to happen obviously but uh, i have been decently uh decently good in my assumption that uh, of certain negative trends that are uh, if not currently manifesting themselves look to be just around the horizon um i was you know i was looking at inflation coming down the pike well before um most people were saying hey we have inflation and they were denying it and then turning it into hey, inflation's pretty good or how about you just you know have fewer friends um to <laughs> eat to, more kale it's <laughs> just to manage Here's the a plate inflation of bugs <laughs> um there's there's lots of things that you know uh, i am paying attention to that i have a whiff of before they you know before it actually comes to fruition but i'm much more optimistic on on how much wiggle room we have um let's just say in the free speech zone um you know it's the, the major social networks and the major distribution channels are are totally screwed they are they are totally uh, almost beyond redemption in my opinion the way that they are currently behaving i don't know if any of the current existing sort of competitors are going to be enough to topple them but the the current institutions as far as their ability to foster um foster an information ecosystem that is beneficial to all is just they're they're not even remotely close but when it comes to when it comes to the uh, available legal structures in in this country there's still a lot of wiggle room it's not even remotely close to being as dire as something like china where there the china is just is really just like a top down a top-down system now yeah. in a, in a country like china there's still always internal pressures in place but for the most part you know you you try not to go against the, what's coming up from the top so the, the 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 shenanigans are always you know from a higher level down low right mm-hmm. there are people there are people controlling those underneath of them but they're always trying to deliver to the person upwards above them so yeah and just to be clear about wiggle room that wiggle room that we're talking about legal legally and free speech wise allows for flexibility of the united states power people because communication allows for a better uh, map and then uh, better reactions to events yeah like i i am i'm not capable of of knowing the things that i don't know you know donald rumsfeld was was famous for having the the known unknowns and the unknown unknowns uh comment where there's things that you don't know that you don't know and um there my ability to know um just what is going on globally is even if i'm getting information you know uh on the internet i still have a very limited ability to discern exactly what's true and what's false in that in that space the uh, difficulty in 
ascertaining what the actual quote truth is, or just let's say the accuracy of that truth, mm -hmm. um, is is very difficult. Particularly the more physically remote you are. Like if I if I see things that, I'm, that are being claimed to happen in Indonesia, mm -hmm. my confirmation is someone else on the news telling me that it happened in Indonesia. I don't technically know whether yeah. it happened in Indonesia, and so that verification system is is not ideal. But that would technically be all I have because I don't have any sort of superpowers to see over in Indonesia to find out what's actually going on. Mm -hmm. um, but the the situation over here is when you can share information and when you can have conversations with with people who, at least to your best ability, are are not uh, trying to hide things or deceive things from you. You can at least come to a a moderately acceptable um, cohesion internally as to what's happening and what's going on and what decisions you're going to make in that environment. When that information flow is cut off, your mental uh, choices are limited. Your ability to foresee the unknown is is reduced. So even if you ha are given five possible scenarios, at least you have five possible scenarios to, to choose between. But if you have one thing that you're told and then an infinite things that you can hypothesize and inf infinite things you can invent as being things out there, that's too many things to make a decision. So you're sort of forced into making a particularly limited set of choices there mm -hmm. but you know the more the more information that you can gather the more people that you can talk to to have uh, a liberty to to discuss topics the more you can at least attempt to make a cohesive a cohesive set of things that are going on so in the case of the the cabal of people who put Joe Biden into power uh, because mm -hmm. it was aligned with their own self-interest and aligned with the institution's self-interest in the cases of something like CRT or w what people call wokeness, a uh, cultural mm -hmm. force that's kind of um, you, uh, adapted to bureaucracies in order to make people go through certain hoops so that we know that we can control them in certain ways, whether it's putting pronouns in your bio or listing all the ways that you're guilty for being white. Um, those things are morally uh, abject and aesthetically lame, but they also, they serve power because they allow for people to kind of vet who gets into these things. So with the free flow, you, you said that the MSM or the mainstream media are beyond redemption with regard to being able the to social give networks. people the a social, social networks. networks. So social networks. Social so networks. like Twitter, yeah. Facebook, YouTube are uh, not accurate places for people yeah. to exchange information. I'm, not, I'm still not convinced Elon's going to wind up owning Twitter, you know, at the end of the month. Um, I'm not convinced on a technological side that he's going to fix it to any large degree. Um but uh, it would somewhat be better for at least a short period of time for some people to be, at least be uh, released from their prisons. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm. someone, someone very dear to me, uh, myself, uh, <laughs> uh, I would like to be released for just a little bit longer, even if it's only a week, <laughs> just, to, just to go down with the ship or something. But uh, YouTube, YouTube has corralled its interests into, I guess, what is lucrative for it. But a lot of these systems are... Are lost leaders. If you look at Twitter's Twitter's income, it's it's not really a money making business. The the text messages that uh, came out from from the discovery through uh, the Twitter lawsuits between Elon Musk and and uh, Jack Dorsey and and some other other people about the possible purchase of Twitter, the 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 losses that Twitter engages in are heavy. Twitter Twitter's just not a profitable 
business the way that it's operated. And you can only maintain profitable, uh, unprofitable businesses for so long without just having a source of of uh, sustenance, you know, uh, mm -hmm. people paying for this thing to occur. But one thing that Twitter does have is power in choosing what the narrative of the the, the news is for a given day in this country, at least mm -hmm. in the United States and possibly in Canada, too. But, you know, a lot of what gets covered on the nightly news to the people who are not on Twitter started on Twitter at least broke on Twitter. If, it, mm -hmm, if, the, mm -hmm. if the story itself didn't originate on Twitter, yeah. the story gained steam, whatever the story was. Or the, gained the narrative framework uh, was uh, kind yeah. of uh, workshopped on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. That's, so that's another thing that can occur. Yeah, what, what angle is the best angle to take from it? And that, that type of, that's, that's, a, that's a value. There's a value in that. And, and, you, and people could incur a cost you know, investors could just choose to, in, in, you know, incur a cost on, on that to keep it alive to to get those those gains because they're secondary to the actual purpose. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's those companies can sort of operate like that. Now, YouTube is folded under Google, which is now Alphabet on on the on the stock exchange. But, you know, any given department, any given subsidiary department of of Google can be a revenue loss at their choice. Mm -hmm. Okay, the balance sheets don't have to show every single thing that they do is profitable. But if it's beneficial or valuable in some non-monetary way, or at least monetarily outside of the business itself, someone could be incentivized to fund that loss, you know, like a loss leader where a grocery store will put a, an item on sale that is technically like a loss at a, you know, per sale thing, but they, they make up their money on other items sold once you're in the store, that sort mm -hmm. of, that sort of deal. And and so there is a lot of value in those companies, but the they they often don't make make a decent amount of money. But YouTube has at least found a way to to keep some of the income coming where you know people are streaming, they're they're competing with Twitch to try to get just video game streamers because that's popular. Um they they're doing the shorts like TikTok where people are just putting on makeup and and pointing in the air at words based off of a song that's playing in the background. Mm -hmm. And you know, there there's they found these these niches that people are, are enjoying from a viral standpoint and throwing all of their promotion into them and then controlling what the rest of the discussions are about. They're, mm -hmm. they're, you know, they're pigeonholing uh, the rest of the discussions. So that's, that's, that's a way that those things can be valuable properties um, without actually being particularly um, uh, valuable monetarily speaking from an income purpose. And I just think that they're, they're, those models are not conducive to the, you know, allowing and facilitating that discussion, particularly going back to the stochastic terrorism thing, particularly when there's good bits of rhetoric um, floating around that paint in people's minds that particular things that can be said are equal to terrorism. Mm -hmm. You can, you can just shut down those, those conversations immediately. And so uh, someone who becomes uh, uh, someone who becomes uh, a listenable voice, people that, you know, someone people are turning to, they can get shut out quickly because, because people are listening to them. You can tie what they're saying to some sort of act of violence, just not, not actually, but just linguistically, just rhet rhetorically, and you can get them shut out and you can maintain that control. That's a very valuable thing that you can provide. Mm. Now, I'm still optimistic because there's plenty of ways that people can go around that so the information can still spread. They, If you watch the people who are sort of the, the hall monitors 
of the internet, the people who are um, in the media focusing on these things and, and like trying to call out individual bad actors playing the Saul Alinsky playbook um, of picking a target, naming it, holding it down, and then and then you know beating it at a submission, personalizing the target and everything like that. There, um, that's copied right out of the Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals. It's a tried and true playbook. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're copying that and just targeting those individuals. Those individuals can still talk to others behind the scenes. It's less, it's less effective from the, um, the wide message, but the fact that they're still able to do that and not be taken away to prison is still extremely valuable. So there's, I have a lot more optimism in that particular standpoint, the legal systems, the, the legal tools that people have against them are not as, as, uh, wide and varied as say china where you can do almost anything yeah to someone well uh, so i mean and it's not just about free speech in and of itself it's about allowing uh, a unit of people let's say the united states of america to adapt to circumstances and to make the correct decision and when you shut off certain uh, if you shut off criticism if you shut down certain voices that are saying the inconvenient thing, then you're rigidifying and narrowing um, uh, the options available to people mm-hmm. down the road. And so I'm just wondering, and Lou, I don't, I don't know what system you want to talk about, but I'm, I'm wondering, like, what system are you hoping to, uh, not direct, I know you don't have any power, but if what's the most concerning system to you? Is it the financial markets is it uh the direction that the united states government's going in in various uh directions or is it just the, the a, financial the, the, the financial one i think would be the biggest the biggest threat so with the the in canada with those those truck protesters in uh toronto where they were honking in and blocking the, the the city square for a bit um they actually enacted some bank protocols to basically shut certain individuals from those those protests out of out of the financial system altogether which means that they're the entire way that they can even sustain themselves physically their ability to survive at all can be can be you know shut out um if you have a hope of getting a regular job if your credit check comes back bad or 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 things like that or you don't have a bank you can deposit to you know, I'm not I'm not aware of, you know, any major companies that are willing to pay you in cash because they can't use direct deposit or give you a check mm-hmm. because you're not allowed to use banking services. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that we rely on in the modern framework of banking where if you if you really want to to cut people off, cut actors off, that's a that's a chokehold that you could have on them. Now in the US, we probably have a lot more wiggle room and i say that because our legal framework is a lot more i don't mean conservative in the political sense i mean conservative in the it's it doesn't it ha- doesn't change as radically um as as some of the other legal frameworks in other countries other countries have this uh we'll call them closer to direct democracy feeling mm-hmm. where the laws are much more able to be changed more freely more freely they don't have constitutional principles that are of the same nature that put these really really rigid restrictions where maybe you know growing up in the 2000s you don't 
understand why they were put there. You don't understand the arguments that were taking place when they were when they were placed. But these things that are instilled in earlier legal frameworks that are harder to change, those give us a little bit longer of a, uh, a lasting ability to uh, counteract some of them because the the legal things at the the government's disposal at various levels are less than they might be in another another country with another type of form of government where the laws are allowed to just be like changed by a parliamentary vote and it's really not that difficult and yeah. you know the the amendments that we have require a lot of effort to change it requires yeah. massive movements there's like two ways to you know change the constitution by amendment and they're both very difficult to do yeah you have to get like you know two-thirds of the states to agree and that's you know and vote in during a constitutional convention it's like that's that's pretty difficult so you can only make those you know types of things change every so often and while the federal government can make laws that are that in some ways in their practice violate constitutional rights there is a lot of friction in that because you can still build appeals you can still go to court and you still fight them and you can still win it's it's not pleasant to do it's not my ideal scenario but that can still yeah. be done in other countries it's often just whatever whatever the law says at that time is what the courts are going to rule on they don't always have a long tradition that they're going to uphold that that protects some of them as the whims of the populace change. That's also a double-edged sword, though. What we see is that, I mean, you see explicitly the um, Biden administration um, saying, I I think it was Joe Rogan they wanted to, you know, they said aloud that there's certain people that they they want these companies to restrain. They want the social Mm -hmm. media networks to um, lower certain voices and stuff like that. So you know that the will is there. Well, the will is always going to be there. Power will always try to uh, take out people that are against right. it or yeah. inconvenient to it. But also you see a couple of weeks ago or maybe just last week, a PayPal uh, mm-hmm. accidentally, yeah, heavy quotes there, uh, stipulated that they could uh, withdraw $2,500 from your account if you said something that they didn't like, basically. right? Yeah. And then they retracted that because there was a big blow up. But the private companies can still do all the dirty work for power, right? They don't have to go through the legal framework uh, necessarily. Or the legal framework allowing them to do that, it would take a lot more energy to change that legal framework. In the meantime, they can basically sculpt uh, the playing field. Themselves. There's, there's, so there are things that some of these companies are doing. That like GoFundMe can you see GoFundMe canceling mm-hmm. certain things and not other things? Right. Yes. There's a lot of there's a lot of problems there. So I'm not I'm not attempting to claim that there there is not trouble or that it's not a large amount of trouble. Um, but a lot of the things that these companies attempt to do, there are uh, there are many instances where they are not capable of doing it and and um hmm. they can get away with it for a while but it still causes them grief so uh, i'm not a i'm not a fan of alex berenson but if you if you're aware of alex berenson he was a person who was uh he was a, a for i think he worked for the new york times but now is freelance and he was one of the he was one of the people picked out by the government as one of the most notorious uh anti-vax um misinformation spreaders or disinformation spreaders uh on online and he was he was uh suspended from twitter in 2021 i believe but he took twitter to court in california and got it won that case i think he got them to um uh to plea on the side not plea that's the wrong word that's in a criminal case but um settle 
settle on the side with him. Um, but he also got a ruling down from a judge that said um, basically that they had violated their contract with him because their terms of service itself was a contract. And they didn't give the reason for termination of his account in a correct way because the, they, they used a thing that they internally showed he didn't violate. Like there was communications internally that says he didn't actually violate this thing, but that's what we're going we're gonna to use to to kick him off and they can get away with that provided you know they don't have to face a legal challenge but there are still courts that'll you know have some sort of structure to uphold those sorts of contractual agreements um to the extent that that uh, there are expectations that are set so if twitter were to just change its terms of service that's just said we can terminate your account at any point at any time for any reason that might be the agreement, but that's not the agreement that they have. That's not the agreement that we all click on or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's it's lengthy. There's a terms of service. There's things that you can violate. And so if they pick one that you didn't actually violate and terminate you, at least in California, they can be sued for that. Mm -hmm. based, you know, and that that's now a precedent based off of what uh, Alex Berenson brought to that, that, that case. Mm -hmm. So those types of structures are still something that can happen. Now, obviously, there's probably a lot more wiggle room for these companies to get away with shenanigans than than I would want or anyone uh, of sound mind would really want. But uh, I'm simply attempting to say that it's not a complete uh, a complete playing field of dominated by them. There are institutions that counteract to some mm -hmm. degree. And maybe at the end of the day it's all it's all a lost cause but the longer you can drag out that loss hmm. might be might mm -hmm. be at least a little bit better where do you see things headed then are you basically hopeful you think that it's going to be rocky but there's still a chance that i mean i even know what you want in the world i i assume that you like civil liberties that seems like something that you're you're kosher with i, I mean i i'm at least a fan of myself having them Okay. I would also prefer others, but you know, at the end of the day, I really would just uh, like to maintain okay. mine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, well, consider the case of Substack. Okay. For the moment, Substack seems to be honoring its uh, the the policy it says it has, the attitude it says it has, and there are occasional attempts for people in the the more mainstream media to try to take a swipe at it, like Taylor Lorenz um, worrying about the unfettered conversations that are going on and things like Clubhouse. There are, there, there's still enough ability, enough ability, it's not perfect, but enough ability for these um, sources to pick up, actually gain traction. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's an issue, there's an issue when, um, when things come online, and that is if you don't have a surplus of users, the actual value in the network that you're making doesn't exist. So um, if you're the if you're the first person to get Clubhouse, which is, you know, just like a open voice chat service, right? If you're the first person on Clubhouse, there's no one to talk to. Mm -hmm. So in order to make Clubhouse something, you got to have people who want to go on because they want to talk to people who are on there. And so there's a there's a startup problem that everything has. Well, there is still somewhat of an ability to get over that hurdle. Mm -hmm. The the major, you know, uh, oligopolic uh, hmm. markets are not they're not all able to dominate yet. So so let's say Twitter, YouTube, etc. They're not all coordinating together perfectly to be able to shut out every competitor that exists. Yeah. Once they get that ability, things will change. But until then, there are still ways for hmm. certain things to sneak under the radar. Now, take the uh, case of Parler. 
Parler was one of the first Twitter competitors that was gaining, I mean, steam. Now, Gab existed a long time, but it never it never got sort of like a media enthusiastic push mm-hmm. behind it. But Parler was one of the first ones to do it. And I don't know if you recall, but um, uh, I, be- it was, I believe it was Amazon AWS. They actually kicked Parler off of its off of their platforms for pushing their their uh, product to phones and Apple kicked them out of the Apple store. Mm-hmm. Now, the arguments that were used to kick Parler off the Apple store just at the time they were peaking to number one on the downloads was that there there was particular speech that was going on in the platform that that was not allowed okay apple the same speech is found on twitter but they're never going to make that move against twitter so mm. you you know to some degree yeah. that there was a coordination going on now maybe maybe that coordination still has some um some friction so for example maybe apple's not going to do everything that twitter wants to take out a competitor but maybe there are circumstances where that agreement can come can come around perhaps perhaps it's not even twitter that would ask for it it's someone else who's who take finds the value in twitter and can you know maybe it's someone uh someone or some ones who have more influence over the internals of twitter they don't have any influence over the internals of parlor so they use they use some pressure to convince apple to to nix parlor parlor and twitter wasn't involved at all there's many ways that that sort of thing can happen but if apple had a consistent policy they would have clicked, you, know, you know kicked twitter off there, I mean, there's there's child porn on Twitter, okay? <laughs> there's there's, mm. there's child porn, rampant child porn on Twitter that you that they haven't gotten a hold of. There's article after article, and there's there's other other things that go on on Twitter that are supposedly against their terms of service that they allow that Parler might have had, okay? Mm. The, if you you can if you search for the N word on Twitter, you're going to find a whole lot of tweets just from probably like the last five minutes that include the N word. They don't even filter out the N word on that stupid platform. Yeah. Right. You know, I'm sure they can program something to find the N word and automatically ban someone for using it, but they don't. So I'm sure something like that occurred on Parler as well. And so the the idea that Parler was uniquely bad in having a certain uh, user base is, is sort of belies credulity. It doesn't doesn't seem to be something that was accurate. Okay, now you could make an argument because it was just around the election time that these were all going to be election conspiracy theorists, and therefore this you know the stochastic terrorism risks were higher on there. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. people were engaged in wide rampant conspiracy. They were doing it on Twitter though too. Mm-hmm. Right now, Twitter was kicking some people off for certain things, but they weren't kicking everyone off. There's plenty mm-hmm. of people who talked or discussed or believed certain things that are still on Twitter. So the idea that that Parler would get kicked off. You know, instead of Twitter, for the you know same sorts of things going on inside of the platform, that's that's a sort of control over the market to to restrict new entrants. That if made more more uh, ubiquitous, would be very concerning. Mm-hmm. Now we've seen them execute that, so it's it's concerning in general. But the the fact that it doesn't happen everywhere at all times is is good. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So the ability for Substack to come in, gain large voices you know like uh the, the people who are writing on there were already heavy hitters mm-hmm. but it's also helping people who were not yet heavy hitters become heavy hitters and and twitter is still like the the most real-time source of these types of trends but substack is more increasingly becoming a place where people can um have have a particular voice that they're and and things they're trying to discuss that mm-hmm. is still shareable on twitter for the most part you can still take a substack article and share it on twitter they haven't banned substack altogether so those things allow 
allow for things to continue. And so while the uh, situation is not ideal, I'm still optimistic that that it can correct. There's still room for it to correct. Are you aware? I'm, I'm, I feel like I've been trying to formulate a question. And and the only thing that I can think of, like, what do you want? What do you what are you working toward in your capacity of a caps locked um, uh, sentence creator and then an essayist? What, what what's the, the theme, the overall structure of your argument, your attacker, your analysis? What are you analyzing or what are you trying to get a, a handle on and, and get people to see? Uh, well, I, that's 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 sort of difficult to answer because I don't necessarily have one particular aim. When it comes to the Twitter account, um, really, it's it is it, as things get more complicated, more confusing, and we all have uh, you know uncertain and dif- uh, difficult political roads ahead. There is there is something of value in having in having a sense of familiarity and to the degree my account is is enjoyed by people um i'm able to bring a goofy sort of humor that that uh it's it's funny one of the things that i'm i'm good at is having people encounter me who don't know what's going on are very confused by what's happening but then after a short period of time they sort of figure it out, even if they could never articulate it, they figure something out and then it makes sense to them what I'm doing. There, there's many people who have told me that where they, they don't get it at first, but after they watch for a little while, it sort of starts to make sense. There's an internal logic to the the sort of behavior and, and jokes and the, the humor that I bring to just the everyday chaos that gives gives people a sense of consistency. They They understand that there is something a little bit more going on behind the scenes, which that I give them hopefully in the form of more long, you know, long form, long form. It's not, I'm not saying educational, but perspective um, that is, is probably uh, not perfectly unique in all the, uh, in all instances where on any given topic, you may be able to find someone else who has said something similar, but the, the amalgamation of all the things that I might uh, have acquired uh, as education over the years or or things that I have, have done that have made me familiar with subjects is, I feel, somewhat a unique blend. So uh, I can offer that as as what I'm doing. And there's there's a, there are things that I have seen that that are very disparate in nature. So, for example, I have I have uh, experience in in animation and and cartoons and um, I have experience in in uh, music as a solo artist and with, with uh, bands is, you know, uh, not na- national to any degree, but I have also um, toured alongside national acts for a, be- a long period of time. Um, in the early 2000s, I, uh, I had run a, a magazine online for, for sort of like al- the alternative slash metal scene, alternative rock metal scene. And I was a member of the press uh, for a long period of time so i would travel uh different different cities and tours with with uh different different artists uh of some some note and so i have at least i have a wider array of experiences than than someone who maybe is focused on one domain mm-hmm. where some things might uh might come into play of interest of note uh you know is is going to be varied where I might have a particular unique perspective because of the various things that I've done or educational backgrounds that I have that that might 
that make might make something coherent that is otherwise confusing mm -hmm. to a large amount of people because mm -hmm. I might have experienced or known something uh, outside of those realms. So sense making, I guess, is a, a clever term or tired term. I don't know where that term is on the on the index of uh, terms, but you make sense of things. That's what you want to do. Uh, to some degree, yes. I don't particularly don that that moniker. I don't yeah. choose to to discuss. I, I don't often discuss things in the the framework of making sense because a lot of people are trying to make sense of things and they're going to come to different conclusions. But what I would say is that um, the the ways that I can tie certain things together, I believe, can be of value to many people. Where they, I might be the first person that they encounter who has explained a particular set of things in a particular way, and the fact that they were handed it, you know, handed that information by someone who, at first glance, is absolutely absurd and speaking nonsense, you know, on Twitter, is is going to possibly hit harder than someone who it frames themselves as as a uh, erudite intellectual, someone mm -hmm. who's just, you know, yeah. um, uh, a thinking head, someone in a think tank, it, it's going to come across differently to them. They're going to, they're going to know that I'm not attempting to, to, to bullshit them in any way, or at least they're going to, to, you know, correctly think that because I'm, I'm, I'm attempting to, uh, portray my, myself in the various ways that I actually exist. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the humor side is, totally a part of me and the longer form writing is totally something that i'm normally normally like so i'm giving giving people a multifaceted uh, experience it's it's not it's not just a person uh a uh, pontificating on things yeah but where where are you coming from like would you say you're more libertarian post-liberal uh, yeah it's hard to it's hard to if i were to attempt to, to explain myself or describe myself i would say I'm an anarcho-capitalist who does has no desire to attempt uh, an anarcho-capitalist future because <laughs> uh, it's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. So I'm just going to mm. exist and react to the things of the day. Like that would be my okay. uh, my sort of thing. So I'm not I'm not attempting to build seasteads out in the ocean to try to bring forth an anarcho-capitalist utopia um, <laughs> or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that would be, you know, so if you wanted to pigeon that me down, I'm going to have a more libertarian perspective on things. But mm -hmm. the, the typical um, libertarian perspective is going to make a libertarian argument. And I'm not going to present libertarian arguments majority of the time. I'm only going to discuss, I, I'm mostly going to discuss the the mechanics of the situation around okay. the concept. And, and I might discuss avenues of libertarian thought, but I'm not going to push for a libertarian thing because that's not... That's not, I don't really try to push people towards a conclusion. I just try to talk about what's going on. Well, but still, that libertarian groundwork attracts you to uh, critiquing certain, um, I, I, you have, a, you said mechanics, so you're discussing mechanics, but the mechanics of what? Like the oligarchy? What is it that you are it critiquing? On, it like depends the on power? what the situation is. Yeah. It depends on what the situation is. Because you went so, after the COVID stuff or tried to disrupt the narrative or, or tug apart thing. You did some great work just breaking down narratives in that With the COVID stuff, it was, you know, that my my avenue of of ability in there is in the realm of statistics. And there are there are things that are very broken in in research science and statistical analysis that that you can uh, tug apart. So there's there's Hmm. In statistics, there are the 
the theoretical statisticians. These are the people who learned the learned statistics from the ground up mathematically. Okay, where you start with with mm-hmm. the most abstract raw mathematical theory of statistics and build up these these very intimidating um, formulas to navigate political or not political, sorry, statistical space. Mm-hmm. And it's the the subject matter is very complicated, and a lot of the philosophical, statistical, and probabilistic natures are are nuanced. And then there are the people who go into research and they learn the uh, applied statistics. Hmm. And the applied statistics often is removed from a lot of the philosophical things that are self-evident and highlighted when you do the mathematical. Well, I started with the mathematical route and I have a um, I have a, a good knowledge and a decent relationship with the philosophical limitations of statistical analysis. So when I, when COVID hit, I knew that early, early, uh, early science, let's call it, um, was just going to be widely inconsistent and off the mark. I just, mm-hmm. you just, you just expect that as a given nature, just because of the way that most people doing things are not, not thinking about the philosophical underpinnings of, of statistics or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They are applied statistician, statisticians. And if the, if they are, just the researchers, they usually have someone assigned to oversee the statistics. And that, that goal is usually just to get it published, you know, just to just to pass peer review and get things published. Uh, the person involved is not directly involved in the nature of the experiment itself or what they're quantifying. So they don't have an intimate knowledge of what's being studied. They just have a knowledge of statistics. So they're there is to advise how to do the hmm. statistical analysis and presentation just to get it published. And so you just expect that things are going to be uh, widely off the mark, and that's why that's why over time, as things change, people go, "Oh, well, the science changed. Well, it was like this before, but now it's it's not." And some of it's true. Some conditions change, but then also, some people just ran with things that they weren't supposed to uh, run with on inferences that didn't exist. Hmm. They weren't allowed to make the inferences they were making. They made them anyway, and they ran with it. And so I expect that. And what what with the early early COVID stuff, you'll you'll notice on my Substack, I never. I never make any hyperbolic claims about about the the vaccines themselves. So you're not going to find me claiming anything of the nature of you know them them killing people or things like that. Regardless of what I think is actually happening in that in that realm, I stick to what I can what I believe I can talk about. And I think it, to me the things that are most important. And in the first articles, the most important thing was the the officials were communicating a narrative that these vaccines could do things that they just could not do. And therefore, people who are otherwise vulnerable, to, you know, the at-risk people of catching COVID would be then falsely convinced that they were more protected than they were by the vaccines. And my initial art- articles were all focused on, you know, if, if you keep communicating this, these people who are now vaccinated, but are still at risk, possibly of death, are going to engage in actions that they might not engage in if you just levied with them. But there were two there were two things going on. They wanted a massive adoption of the vaccines. So to get that massive adoption, they oversold the benefits. And then the and then whenever uh, they oversold the benefits and people were still catching COVID and dying, oh, well, it, it, things changed. Well, hmm. things did change. But I also commented when I did my articles. What happens when these things change? Like, if, if someone 
like me can say, hey, what happens when these things change? You're convincing these people to engage in this more risky behavior for them, then it causes problems. And that's why they're 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 having mm-hmm. a difficult time with trust now. They're, they just they oversold them. They know they oversold them. And now everyone's playing a revisionist history where, you know, you're parsing individual sentences to say, well, they didn't really say it would protect you against this. If you really look at the words used in the sentence, it's like, no, no, you know the atmosphere. You know what everyone is doing. They said that the, you were going to be safe. They said you would not go to the hospital if you got vaccinated. It's just impossible. And, you know, if you go back in my Substack in real time, I caught the initial um, Israeli uh, wave of, of new infections post pretty much complete vaccination of the entire population as far as any other country could have possibly got to complete universal vaccination. I, I caught them and you could see me updating the statistics day by day. I made a projection. I said, this is what mm. we're going to see if if my if what my observations hold and they held. And it just you can see that these deaths were uh, the deaths that were occurring were somewhat on par with the deaths that occurred before when it comes to the infection to death ratio, at least according to the, the recorded statistics. The people noticed that. And that was that's why that's why uh, people are in this country are so unenthusiastic now because Israel was really the the spearhead mm-hmm. of the vaccination campaign for Pfizer at least, and they started boosting people as soon as those cases started to rise. They started giving the people boosters, and they they were trying to cut it off at the head. And that we were only six months into the thing, right? This is just six months after they were already juicing them up more to try mm-hmm. to mitigate this this fallout, and the U.S. was behind on it. So then they gave people um, the boosters maybe two to three months later, but then another wave came shortly after that, and they were trying to convince people to get a third booster within a year because they they had no strategy. They didn't understand what they were they were communicating, or at least if they understood that it that they could change in this disastrous way, they were throwing that caution to the wind and just trying to hype hype vaccines as much as possible to get people vaccinated. But by the time you're within one year getting the third booster. People are just, it's too complicated for them to keep track of. They're not going to do it. At most, you can get away with an annual shot. That's that's really the most that you're going to get the average citizen to agree to. And so I was watching all those things and and commenting on my, my analysis of the data that was being used to hype them up. My analysis said they're overselling it. They were overselling it. And that's as far as I went. I never, I never really went further than that. I never claimed, mm. I never claimed anything else about them. But when I did so, I still got heat as if I was some sort of anti-vaxxer. You can't av- you can't avoid the criticism in that in that atmosphere. So, mm-hmm. and did that was that obvious that that would the the sociological impact of lockdowns and then the pandemic and the deaths and then this new drug and stuff? It just caused a bunch of craziness it just caused people to act in very strange ways uh, was that at all alarming to you did you lose faith in humanity or you said no that's humanity a lot of things were in line with my expectations i couldn't uh, predict the um the minutiae but um yeah. you know that a lot of it was in line with my expectations um one one mistake that that people who were I guess, ultimately more correct in worrying about government overreach. One mistake some of them made was to refuse, uh, we'll say, compliance at the very, very early beginning. Okay, 
And the reason that's a mistake, so there were people, let's say, when when we were talking about, you know, using masks and the first first you were told not to use masks and then you were told to use masks. And and I, there's a tweet that I have that j- just laughed because within a week we went from not needing, you know, masks were useless to you have to wear a mask to enter the grocery store. It was like we, we changed on a dime. But, if the if the wide media landscape tells you to change, it's just an adoption worldwide. You know, but um, the the first thing, if to reject some of those things immediately was a mistake to people who were ultimately right that the government was going to re- overreach, and they were a mistake simply because at the beginning at the beginning confusion period where everyone is uncertain about what's going on nobody particularly knew how damaging the virus was going to be at the early onset. Nobody knew. The degree to which um, it, the degree to which it would spread just in the open air. There, there were people who were, you know, they were telling us it was in droplets, right? You know, it's heavy, heavy packs of air that are going to fall pretty quickly, right? So your spittle is really what's going to transmit it. That was some of the early stuff, right? Whether or not it was going to stay on surfaces or not, mm-hmm. okay? Because you had people wiping down your gro- You're supposed to wipe down your groceries when you get them in, okay? Yeah. All of these things. Some of them wound up being correct. Some of them wound up being wrong, and you you expect that type of confusion as as a as a sort of like a, a social purchase okay where you're saying i am a reasonable person i am going to cooperate with you and take these actions even if i don't think masks are going to do anything i'm going to wear a mask to sig- to signal to you yes it's a signaling thing but it's, i'm signaling to you that i am i am a person who has other people's concerns in mind and I am willing to go along with these things. That gives you a purchase to when things start to go too far, where then you can say, all right, I've gone past my limit. I was cooperative up to this point, mm-hmm. and now I am no longer cooperative because you are doing your, this is going too far. Yeah. But if you if you start right off with rejection of, of everything as, as a social as a social stance, yeah. you you wind up having people shut off to what you're saying. You you have them tune out because you are just disagreeable. So that it's it's yeah, the, it, it's a mistake to go all in at the very very beginning on no cooperation yeah. for that very reason. Um, so it didn't it didn't surprise me that things started to get out of control. I will say that um, the the most interesting thing I found were some of the some of the people chosen to sort of be um, like figureheads uh, on 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 national networks, uh, like Lena Wen um, on CNN. She was always on CNN, and she was just she was just authoritarian as all hell. She was just encouraging everyone who wasn't refusing to get vaccinated to get shut out of society. You know, they weren't allowed to do anything. Basically, you know, you're not allowed to travel. She was suggesting you know block people from traveling to different states because of they're not getting vaccinated. Like it was get that stuff was getting really preposterous, and and she was given many many hours of airtime <laughs> to just air those things and so many people went with it so i will say that was the most interesting aspect of it where it's you you can expect it but you can't necessarily know what it's like to watch it until yeah. you're there yeah <laughs> well to go back to what you're saying about early rejection i i understand that as as a game mechanic or maneuver to say no i i i'm going to play it safe i'm going to signal that i'm going to play it safe and i'm going to be reasonable but what we were saying at the very beginning with stochastic terrorism and other ways that narratives shore up um, power is that if every person who started playing it safe will be lumped into hardcore rejectors the moment they start rejecting. Mm-hmm. 
right? Well, yeah, yes, that that's correct on when you're looking at an aerial view. That is correct when you're looking at an aerial view. But we all have interpersonal relationships, right? And so there mm. are going to be interpersonal relationships that have that divide, where if you pick that strategy immediately of rejection, then you alienate the people that you were already connected to who might be on the other side of the perspective. And that that's that's where that's where it really focuses. Hmm. Okay, but yes, yes, on the larger narrative side, yes, you're still going to get flipped over to the other side. But that doesn't mean that your cousin or someone is going okay. to do that to yeah. you the moment that that happens, because they'll say, no, he was very he was very reasonable. It wasn't until this moment that he changed. Right. Yeah. It wasn't until this thing happened. Yeah. And that those those types of situations are the one that you ones that you have to focus on. But it doesn't necessarily go in the opposite direction. If you go full authoritarian from out the gate like cnn did it's okay for them to host a authoritarian i guess fox maybe did uh host it or propped up people who were full uh rejection or full uh, rebellion against uh you know the encroachment of the state through the thing so i guess it evens out over over time but it seemed like uh you know what the woman that you were bringing up about just shutting down society mm -hmm. those people can go full bore because it's in the yes. interests of accumulating state power yes, it's not unreasonable for right right uh, everything unreasonable someone like lena wen would say she is basically for it's forgotten about and ignored whenever things yeah. settle down like right now she's uh the last thing i saw from her in the last like week or two is that she's she's concerned that some of the things that that we were doing has affected her her child's uh, development oh. right like a constant mask i don't know if it was constant mask wearing or not but but certain things like that were maybe like she harmed uh, harmed his his speech patterns or something like that by you know the constant masking because you can't see you know uh, there's a lot of people they have to look at people's lips you know they they have full auditory auditory abilities but you know they look at people's lips while they're talking and that lip communication helps them interpret what's being said it's like they can hear just fine but that's just something they need and so when you constantly remove that and you remove most of the facial cues that are given, you remove a huge part of human communication. And mm -hmm. the, the people who, it is, it is funny, the, the, the game that gets played where you can have a concern because we don't have information on how things play out. You can levy that concern and you're told, well, there's no evidence of it because, well, it hasn't been looked at yet. We haven't conducted a massive, you know, worldwide experiment where everyone's faces are covered <laughs> the entire yeah. time. Well, there's no evidence that it costs, you know, causes long lasting damage. We we haven't we haven't done it. <laughs> do you want me to do you want me to gather the evidence? I can't gather the evidence. Yeah, yeah. How, how am I supposed to gather the evidence? It's a concern, and and, and yeah. yeah, those and but that's also why we have we have uh, so much distrust now. It's because uh, of that effect. The people who were so authoritarian are now increasingly distrusted. Now, yes, in in the acceptable circles. So who gets to be chosen to be on CNN next? Yes, it'll still be, you know, wacko Lena Wen, who's, you know, just, uh, I, I, I helped uh, uh, James Lindsay uh, come up with the term uh, Minnie Mouse for her. <laughs> you know, we, we, we put her in a Minnie Mouse uh, outfit and, and, and donned her Minnie Mouse. Um, she, she was just authoritarian as, as all hell and and she'll get back on tv but except for the people who were in that stream the whole time and i mean people who were true believers the whole time they're 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 eased back in the same way that you boil a frog you can turn the temperature down on them and they're mm -hmm. eased back in okay um last year 
I believe in December, it was Saturday Night Live. They had a skit. It was the first skit where they kind of got around and started talking to, at, at dinner and they were finally opening up to each other. And the, the joke was they all felt nervous that they they couldn't say certain things because yeah. of the atmosphere that they had con been conditioned on. You know, and you know, Saturday Night Live is going to be a more liberal audience, you know, more progressive audience. And, and they were basically airing this for the, that audience and they were eventually just allowed to say things like oh well that was crazy what we all decided to do and they were giving they were giving that their audience the permission to now say those things right yeah. it was like a, it was a signal to them it's okay it's time we can release some of these things so the people on the inside they have a full conversation going on all the time they they they're with them on the authoritarian rollout they see the pivot they see the change and they're like okay well now it's no longer time for that so they're on a smooth trajectory the people on the outside, the ones who are against a lot of the policies the whole time, it's much more, uh, it's much more of a volatile ride for them. You know, it's just, it's just bad, 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 bad. Okay, less bad. That's the ride they're on. Yeah. Right. But the other people, they're okay the whole time, and they're still okay through that soft landing for them, and so they're they're fine with it. They don't reject the people who are crazy because they were also crazy too. And you're not gonna you're not yeah. gonna kick people out of your your circle for being as crazy. You have your reasons for being that crazy. Is that uh, so? Just the trajectory of losing trust and then gaining trust back is that possible or is that like i guess just uh something to be optimistic about like there's only so far off the rails this you know, cnn or, or this government can go before well, it corrects that's, of self, that's a, self it's a difficult question to answer simply because there is the can you gain trust back and then there's the question of is this a system that should have trust gained back um, hmm. and and that that boils down to not whether you know you have angels in control of the the choices it's the system as we've seen has has too many openings for abuse that we allow and the yes there were people who were untrustworthy people at the helm also abusing those things but if you have a temporary period of time where people are not you know excessively abusing those things the possibility for abuse is still there so it's sort of like a just a time bomb before someone else comes in to try to abuse those things so if if people let's i i don't mean this in the exact way i'm just using it as a descriptor if the good people come in and regain trust and they eventually leave now the people who are the bad actors they have an unearned trust that they are just given yeah to abuse and that's that's not a good scenario yeah so yeah yeah you can rebuild trust because there's a certain degree that that at least the people on the margins they are they are really just looking to not be bullshitted at the yeah. end of the day they're looking for people who they think are giving them the things straight the people who are actually communicating the wide spectrum of things and not just obstinate and ruling things out um you know whether whether joe rogan is a person who uh uh balances what he talks about enough to to satisfy people he is perceived by those who listen to him as someone who is willing to talk and and pursue avenues and he is not bullshitting them when he talks and that is one of the reasons why he is so popular so there is possibility for people to enter the stage who who people on the margins feel that they're not being bullshitted by and so you can regain trust it's not impossible but the characters who are now you know sort of conce uh, considered untrustworthy they're still around and so it's going to be hard for them personally to regain trust because they've already been deemed 
untrustworthy by a large number of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but you also mentioned that there's uh, problems in the system. I guess there's two levels to this, like the government and then like the New York Times. So the New York Times can go and waste a lot of its credulity or legitimacy on bullshitting and bullshitting and then they can just change out the staff or change the narrative and they're still the new york times they've always been the new york times and they will whether they're bullshitting or not bullshitting they they still have there's a magic value in that logo there's just a magic value that's going to last a lot longer than any given actor in it and then you have something up in canada like with uh, trudeau using the emergencies act to quell dissent and not meeting with those trucker protesters the legal framework could change that emergencies act and I'll disallow anybody if he ever gets out of office to to abuse that in that way but it would have to be the will of the people or the will of the representatives to change that kind of uh, yeah can, canada mechanic. like i'm not I, i'm not at all um familiar enough with the the civics of canada okay to to give any sort of uh, articulate uh discussion of the particular risks. But in general, it seems that the government there has a wider latitude to change law on its whims. And so the way that the the government in, in Canada seems to be able to change its laws, which then instills, once you establish laws, you then have court cases around those laws and that court, those establish precedent. And so to the degree that they, they still have a court in Canada that respects precedent, new laws establish new precedent. And mm-hmm. so those become further fix, you know, a further uh, fixation on those mm-hmm. on those laws becoming a practice. Okay, so now you have you have case law where there's a body of decisions around these laws that solidify what's going on with uh, you know how they're going to interact with society. And to the extent that it's acceptable in, in Canada to have you know uh, private public partnerships where the government is now coordinating with these private institutions, particularly the media. I mean, there's the I believe it's the CBC in Canada is particularly uh, intertwined with with the government is how they, you know, what they cover and how they cover Mm -hmm. it. Um, That those sorts of things are are harder to to get. But here in the United States, we we fortunately have a at least somewhat of a still uh, solid idea that that is not acceptable, Mm -hmm. that the government is not supposed to have an official news channel right it's a wink wink news channel okay but it still exists though i mean the the government still tells the media what to say basically it has come to light that they're openly colluding to but it's not right but it's not it is not a because we still have the idea that it's not acceptable largely um it still cannot be done with the same the same amount of of finesse. So in, in Canada, you can probably just have the governments openly telling the the news to not to not allow certain things to be discussed because of you know it's, it's badness, and the 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 news can say all right sure no problem and that's it that's the end of the discussion. With in here, when it became revealed that you know the members of the White House were coordinating with Twitter to try to get like Alex Berenson kicked off and other actors kicked off, uh, probably like Malone or something, uh, Robert Malone. Um, that had to be kept sort of under wraps. That had to be not a thing that was occurring because to have that be revealed as occurring was was not good. And then it then once it was revealed, it had to be articulated as being voluntary. Hey, this is just a person who's in the government with opinions. 
Mm-hmm. And and then when he expressed those opinions, Twitter happened to agree. It's it's still it it can still happen in that way, but it's it's an, it's more fragile because you still have to come up with a believable narrative of it. And you still have to maintain that believability okay. in order to really get away with it. And otherwise, with all those extra steps, the likelihood of more and more people um, disbelieving, uh, or or challenging the narrative, or or saying fuck you uh, to the people who are acting this way increases. I, I in my in my belief yeah okay yeah. yeah i mean it's just it's just we but have i'm just saying it's still happening it. it's still happening oh, yeah. power is power absolutely <laughs> holy absolutely. is holy <laughs> absolutely and and you can, you can it, it's kind of funny because it's it's you can see a lot of it i mean if you look at the if you look at people who uh like former clinton uh chief of staff or former clinton uh um you know uh interns or there's all throughout the democratic party interns going to work at the top social networks people who are given like the you know big jobs at the, yeah, the yeah. social networks facebook and um well when the hunter lap uh, biden laptop story came out there there are people who are in the chain of history of the democratic party who had influence in telling uh like facebook because they worked for facebook hey we're gonna we can't do this the you know, the government's saying that this is probably russian disinformation we certainly don't want to you know help the russians and we gotta we gotta shut that out and yeah. so they'll go along with it and these, these people are placed all throughout it's a very incestuous sort of relationship uh between there but it, it is still not able to be as blatant okay. as an official like joe biden still has cannot directly call Mark Zuckerberg and say, I need you to do this for me. And Zuckerberg just go sure. Like it might be in Zuckerberg's best interest, but it's not, you know, to go along. Maybe he has something that uh, he wants from the government back and you can still cut a deal, but it's certainly not a chain of command, right? It's, it's influence, but it's not a chain of command. Yeah. And there is a difference there. And so there's room for hope that uh, things won't go completely off the rails or as long as there's still the ability for competitors to enter the market and they still have the ability to gain market share there's still a lot of opportunity for that the problem for in the interim becomes no one can actually see what that solution is it's it's always has to be in the future until it's there so until it's actually there you're still worried that it's not going to come yeah Uh, you don't you know uh, you don't want to spend the rest of your days switching from social network a to social network b Losing losing social contacts uh, on the one network, yeah. and then going to trying to persuade them to come to another network, but then having too many competitors, people are choosing different ones. I mean, there's a lot of chaos in there. There's a lot of chaos, but at least there's still the existence of opportunity, which is is a source of of you know hope, brighter times. Hmm. Do you have a competing uh, platform that you're uh, willing to plug at this time, or is it still you're keeping that under the like? No, I I, I don't have a competing platform. I, I I'm gonna the, call every, it Gator. <laughs> every single every single one of those social networks uh, that has popped up, like like Getter, Parler, uh, Truth, I have signed up for, and I have only uh, tweeted food items. <laughs> if you call them tweets on other platforms, like. Uh, on, <laughs> Like on on Parler or Getter, I just once a day I'll get on there for a while as while I actually think about it, and I'll you know say bananas or you know uh, or, or Campbell's soup or something. I'll just <laughs> that's all I'm contributing to those networks because there's nothing going on them. Yeah. And the 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 real reason that the Twitter is is more fun is there are there are you know pseudo relationships that you have with people while you're on those networks while hmm. while the news is actually being fled right through there like it's it's 
the amount of information that goes through that network is high. That's where things are evolving. If you go to something like Getter, you go to something like Parler, it is it is just one side of everything. So you're just really in a a, a mega hellhole for the most part. It's mm-hmm. just and and it is not interesting to be in that environment. I already know, like it, even when people agree with me, I already know what I think. So I don't. Uh, that doesn't interest me. I, I already know what I believe. So I don't need to be surrounded by people who agree with me all the time. Mm-hmm. And. And I also don't need to be surrounded uh, with a um, race to the bottom where everyone is just trying to find out how pissed off they are in their their yeah. little uh, circle jerk network. Yeah. I don't I don't like that scenario. I don't want to be there. Even if even if hypothetically I could have you know a larger audience on there or something like that, I, I, that doesn't interest me at all. I would find it boring. It doesn't doesn't motivate me to do anything. But the high volume of of news that's on Twitter. Um, the the ability to have uh, an interaction with with uh, different different minds, different people, and even uh, different political affiliations is is a bonus. And it's not it's not just so that you can dunk on them or harass them. It's 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 because life is much more interesting when there's more ideas going around because mm-hmm. you also have the opportunity to learn something that you didn't know. Mm-hmm. Someone who is opposed to you is more likely going to mention facts. Or, or items that you did not know that you now know because you were in the environment to hear them, and that's much more valuable of a a network than than an echo chamber. And you know, being charged being charged every day to buy a new my pillow because you're on Getter, uh, you know, it's like there's a there's a tax on there that you don't want to pay. <laughs> you know, have Mike Lindell come on and try to sell you a. Oh, so you slippers or something or threaten to <laughs> pop into your medicine cabinet late at night while you're there. That's not a good you know good existence. So you miss David Hogue. Just just be honest, you miss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I hopefully hopefully Elon does wind up purchasing Twitter. Uh I am able to get out of Twitter jail and if if it immediately goes to ruins, I hope to go down in the flames because mm-hmm. at least that'll be exciting. Mm-hmm. But, well, what's coming up for you on your Substack or other media stuff that you do under the there, well, um, uh, on on Substack, there there are some articles um, on on statistics that I that I have sort of um, in the pipeline that I've been delaying on because there's just other things get in the way or other things become more interesting. There's um, there's a set of of discussions. Uh, statistics was a very confusing to people as as the COVID pandemic came out. You know, all of, all this data everywhere and trying to trying to understand what these numbers mean that people are quoting everywhere um, was was daunting. And there are inferences that are being made with data that are not permissible. And I have enough ability to jump to different modes of communication where I can explain in simpler terms to people who don't have sorts of experience. And then I can explain in deeper terms to people with wider experience um, uh, those, those sorts of subjects. And so I... Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have a unique ability, but I have a rare ability to jump in those two different modes of communication to explain uh, to explain those types of concepts. So I have the articles that 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 are sort of in the works that I get to occasionally that I'll start publishing, hopefully, a series on. But that would be that would be the only thing that's currently in in my mind to work on. Otherwise, it's it's watching uh, art, watching things that I feel I have a unique take on. I don't I don't just add another. Uh, another identical sentiment on my 
on my Substack. I try to I try to have something to say when I say it. I don't just I don't just talk to hear myself talk. And how do you uh, avoid becoming conspiratorial in your thinking, or is there a time and a place to be a conspiracy? Uh, the easiest way to the easiest way to be avoid uh, becoming conspiratorial is to realize that everyone is conspiring all day. Okay, um, every private communication you're having at any point in time where you're attempting to discuss what's going on and maybe even contemplate something minor to do as an action is a conspiracy. You saw Sam Harris go down that realization as he tried to to admit that there was a a uh, the uh, common understanding of what is meant by conspiracy, which is that it must be criminal, it must be super secret, everyone, you know, the stakes have to be so high in what's going on, and it has to be something that if revealed, everyone would like lose their lives over or something like that, they'd go to jail forever. Like that's, that's what people usually try to force conspiracy to be. Mm -hmm. But then you saw him say, absolutely, it's a conspiracy. And then you saw him get down to the realization that conspiracy is literally just people talking to each other. And coordinating, like trying to come to an understanding and an agreement on what to do. Mm -hmm. That is happening all day, every day. Everyone's doing it. I'm doing it all the, all day. You're probably doing it all day. It's it's what humans do. And so, if you remove the necessity for things to be automatically negative from what your concept of a conspiracy is, then you can just start to sort out what is happening, um, what you believe is happening behind the scenes as as people's motives understand that people are not going to necessarily always be in alignment who are currently engaged in in moves that are actually you know somewhat coordinated and that hmm. that at any point in time at any point in time let's just say take the wef if you think the wef is the the single source of the biggest you know, conspiratorial moves where they're they have the most influence and the most people, you know, bought into agreeing to whatever policies they come up with. At some point it's not going to be the WEF. It's going to be some other organization that maybe spawned from the WEF or WEF, sorry, not WBF, WEF, it may be WEF splits. Maybe it turns into factions. There's some internal disagreement, and then some people who are members go into there. And whenever you are sitting in that situation where you're trying to figure out what's wrong, and you do the archaeology, you'll find this trace going all the way back to probably, you know, you know 1830, right? Some some uh, some person mm-hmm. in 1830 was, was the, where this all started. Um, but there will be factions. It will it will fracture. It will spawn spawn new smaller things, and then something will become the WEF that has members mm-hmm. that were originating the WEF. And with it that, doesn't mean uh, that the WEF the, those people are in control of everything. Yeah. It just means that that's how they're they they float out. Does this they realization or perspective allow somebody to disrupt uh, uh, conspiracies in directions that they don't want? If you think if you think that that um, that there are people with with uh, pretty much um, omniscience and omnipotence as much as any human being could have, if you believe those people exist and that and that everything you do will be seen by them and and you can do nothing, then the game's already over. Then the game's already over. I, I mean, like the NSA has has the ability to to see pretty much all internet communications through throughout the country, and at times they can abuse that. There are there are a lot of abuses along those lines, and it takes uh, you know whistleblowers to reveal the extent of what they are, what programs they have, and exactly how easy it is for people to get them. The James Clapper, the former uh, national security director, um, he you know basically lied under oath when he said that we don't collect these emails. He said uh, 
only inadvertently was like his answer. And, and it's like, no, you're, you're collecting them, you're archiving them, and you have the ability at different times to search them to find out what's, you know, what's being transferred to and fro. And you're scouring the internet if you think that the at least at a minimum they aren't capturing all open packets that are unencrypted for storage that's that's ridiculous they would be permitted you know legally to grab yeah. arbitrary packets from the internet if the packet comes to their system they can record that so they're grabbing they're grabbing traffic all over the place if, if they can't break encryption which they they can in many cases they ask uh, companies to put back doors and systems and stuff to allow them access they excuse it this only in circumstances of national security etc but they're collecting yeah. it meaning yeah. that they have that archive to pull up maybe someday they'll do that to you and and if you become too much of a quote threat to them they'll know more than you want them to about what you've been saying and who you've been saying it to but they're not targeting everyone all day that takes too many human resources to do so someone like me you know i don't necessarily have to be uh, at too much of a concern that they're going to target me today because i haven't done anything that is going to you know flag their their awareness i haven't done anything to step over their bounds at the moment and so the the depths of the conspiracy is not that they're going to stop me from having this conversation with you let's say now you could you could invert that logic and say that they are permitting me to have this conversation with you because yeah. it's it's within their interest and they're only going to allow me what's in there they're not paying attention to me probably mm -hmm. <laughs> they're paying attention to other actors and other people and so the the fact that they have limited resources still even though they might be collecting all this information they have limited human resources hmm. limited financial resources they they live on the same sort of you know linear time that we live on so they can only actually do one thing in any moment that 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 sets limitations on them they, they don't have that type of omniscience and om omnipotence See, that you might you're taking about. a statistical uh level uh view of this then it's like well it, it's statistically unlikely that authoritarianism is going to affect me today but it's statistically probable that it could happen at any given time oh oh yeah so there's um back in the obama administration there were uh several um several uh reporters who found themselves in great legal trouble because the obama uh, obama administration was putting pressure on you know, absolutely uh, out of bounds normally uh, pressure on reporters to find out who their sources were, um, even so far as accusations that um, it, it decently believable accusations that they were you know trying to hack the reporters' computer systems to to get that information because they might have gotten information from sources that uh, under the under the guise of national security that uh, they needed to know. And this reporter was using their First Amendment protections to not reveal their sources. Uh, it's you can't allow that. It's national security, right? Hmm. So the, there are people who will certainly become targets. But if you look at those instances, you see that it's still not perfectly doable. Like they had like they had to bring these people to court to attempt to get them to reveal the sources they didn't just have them and pretend they didn't like if 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 you had all of this omniscience and omnipotence you could just already have the computer hacked grab that data and never let the the person you stole it from be any more aware they just oh well now we know the source because we have all their information on the computer you still have to go through hoops there's as much power as they have they still have to do certain things to try to get that information and so it's hmm. it's frightening and it's hopefully something i don't have to deal with one day but maybe my life takes that course but <laughs> until then until then it's like i'm not going to i'm not going to imagine that that anyone is out to get me okay at any point in time. well you know if uh, joe biden comes and knocks on my door and forces me to reveal your identity i won't I'll, uh, they're going to have to take me. I appreciate to that. Gonna, uh, I'm going to go all the way to protect you. 
I'll, I'll just my life is in your hands now that's a big it's <laughs> a big responsibility and i don't know if you... <laughs> well thank you for your trust <laughs> dr roller gator so uh you have a Substack and a suspended twitter account anything else you got in the works you have a metal album out there that, that you want to plug but you keep that no, separate from no, 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 yeah, yeah, keep yeah, that okay, uh, yeah. keep that separate there okay yeah yeah cool well, thank you so much for uh, chatting. Uh, you stretched my brain, and you're doing great work. I hope Elon wins, and, and you along with him. And, and if he's going to bring it down, I, if the whole thing crumbles, I hope it's epic because that'll be a glorious spectacle. Because <laughs> the one thing that Elon, the one thing that Elon uh, uh, is often uh, want to do is oversell and overpromise what he's going to deliver so if he thinks that uh if he thinks it's just going to be su uh, super easy to handle the bot problem and that he's not going to have too many side effects and just kick a whole bunch of innocent people off while he's trying to figure out that problem to solve i don't i don't, I don't think he's going to solve it as easily as he thinks and it's going to be a crazy time to watch but <laughs> oh wow yeah yeah uh, thank you for uh thank you for the time <laughs>